We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com live postgame show. The Lakers just took down the Spurs. Final score 105 to 94. Not always a pretty game, but the Lakers were able to ultimately get the W, and that's what's important. I'm coming to you from the road, been traveling for the Thanksgiving holiday. So thank you to my in laws for allowing me to take over a room here and do the show from here. Joining me tonight, we have Jeff Spiegel typically from Dodger Blue, but also does some stuff for Lakers Nation as well. You guys have seen him on here before, particularly when we go to Las Vegas. Jeff, how are you doing, man? It's good. It's good. And tonight felt like it was going to be uh, an easy victory up by 20 points. The lead shrinks to as few as three, but thankfully they right the ship there in the fourth quarter and uh, it ends up being comfortable in the end. But uh, it's a good night to be on. LeBron comes back. Anthony Davis continues to dominate. And uh, and I know lots of people are going to want to talk about Thomas Bryant and his inability to get consistent minutes tonight. And so, uh, yeah, excited to be with you guys tonight. Yeah, we'll certainly need to dive into into that one as well. What happened there with Thomas Bryant? Oh, people are saying my mic is not great. Let me go ahead. Uh, Jeff, do you want to go through the stats of the game for me? And I'll, I'll take it off of my AirPods and see if I can uh, just plug in a different mic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we mentioned kind of the big one, Anthony Davis, the headline, 25 and 15. So not quite the uh, 30 and 16 streak that he had been on, but 25 and 15 for Davis, four assists, three block, four, four assists, three blocks, one steal. That's on 10 of 13 from the field. So incredibly efficient. And then LeBron James, probably the most interesting stat line of the night, 21 points, eight rebounds, five assists. You hear that and you say, hey, first game back after five days missed, five games missed. That feels pretty good. Nine turnovers for LeBron, though. That's where the rust started to show. The Lakers, 21 turnovers total in total. Uh, Lonnie Walker, the only other Laker in double figures tonight. 18 points for him, four of nine from three-point range. Excuse me, Troy Brown Jr. also had 10 points. Then he got Schroeder with nine, Reeves with eight, Nunn with nine. So a, a number of different contributors for the Lakers. Um, as far as the Spurs go, a pretty balanced attack. All five of their starters end up in double figures. Uh, Jones with 19 and Vassell with 18 were kind of the, the key leaders there. Um, so it's I, I guess 
I would say, Trevor, if your mic is back on, this is kind of the performance that I expected. Like, Anthony Davis dominated. LeBron was a mixed bag, having missed Mm -hmm. his last five games. Um, Looking at team stats real quick, I'll throw this out. The Spurs attempted 100 field goals in this game. They were 38 for 100, 17 more shot attempts than the Lakers did, but the Lakers shot 10% better from the field. The Spurs were also 6 of 33 from three-point range. The Lakers 8 for 27. So, um, you know, we t- I talked about pregame. The Lakers had not won a game in which they scored less than 116 points. Um, that changes tonight. And then also 29.6% from three-point range was not uh, not the performance the Lakers necessarily wanted, but they ended up getting the win. Yeah, I mean, this is essentially the Spurs were able to get that many more shot attempts in a couple of ways by, number one, having less turnovers. The Lakers turned the ball over 21 times, which is absolutely ridiculous and, and horrendous. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got 19 offensive rebound for, rebounds for the Spurs, and a lot of that came when the Lakers were small, when they had Wendy and Gabriel at center, surrounded by four guards. Meanwhile, Thomas Bryant is sitting, sitting on the bench, twiddling his thumbs, maybe doing jumping jacks, I don't know, trying to do everything he can to get the attention of the coaching staff because he certainly could have been used in there. But So I'm sure we'll talk a bit about that, but that's how you wind up with that many shot attempts. And frankly, here's the concerning part about this. I don't want to be super negative because the Lakers won the game. And right now, look, any win is a good win for this team. You've got to stack up Ws on their record. But if this is not the Spurs you're playing and the Lakers do the things that they did tonight, yeah. you're probably losing losing this game. So I don't think – well, the Lakers, you can say, all right, we got to win. We put one on our record. That's important. Absolutely. I don't think they can walk out of this game feeling good because there's a lot, I think, that they need to fix and a lot of things that they're going to notice when they go through their film session that they need to improve upon. Fortunately, they get another crack at it tomorrow night when they play San Antonio again. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, it was a 20-point lead, and the Lakers had as many turnovers as they did, and we were both talking on the watch-along like, okay, it's great that you're up by as many points, and you're not going to complain too much too much about a team that had you know five wins coming into this one, get, about to get their sixth. But on the flip side, it wasn't pretty. The turnover's the big number. And again, LeBron James had nine of them himself, um, but... You know, it's sort of like beggars can't be choosers at this point. We're not going to sit here and complain when the Lakers win because these things have been few and far between. And it's nice that the Lakers finally get a win on a night when they weren't their best. It felt like up until this point, they had to be at their A-plus game in order to be competitive, in order to win. And yet for them to play at a lesser level, probably a B, B B-minus level and still get a win, you need those in in the grind of an NBA season and and where the Lakers are hoping to get to, you'll take games like this, even if it wasn't pretty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's get into some of our chat questions. Uh, We'll start with this one. Always winning says meh on the win should have been a blowout. Yeah. It looked like it was going to be at one point, didn't it? The Lakers were up what they were up 20 and then they really took their foot off the gas pedal, started to turn the ball over, had a really rough stretch at the end of the third um, that's where you've got to put teams away. And here's the the other piece to this. The downside is they were in a position where potentially they could have rested LeBron and AD for much of, if not all of the fourth. Instead, they wound up playing until there was, what, a minute and a half left in the game. Yeah. On the second night of a back-to-back, let's hope that doesn't come back to haunt them tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, they were up, what, 18 points at the half. And so on one hand, I would say it should have been a blowout. They won by 11, so they did win by double digits. The game wasn't necessarily in doubt basically for the last eight or nine minutes, mm-hmm. uh, I would say. But I, I still agree with the sentiment of when you have a 20-point lead in the first half, an 18-point lead at the half, and you let arguably one of the worst three to five teams in basketball come back on you, it's not a great look for the Lakers, even if you do end up winning. 
they're not they're not trying to win. <laughs> the exactly. Spurs as an organization are not trying to win. Yeah, that should not be happening in in this game. Um, let's get into our first award of the night. Let's go right here. Superstar of the night. All right, Jeff. So who did you think was the best player on the floor for the Lakers tonight? Who was the superstar of the night? Uh, I'm going to give it, I mean, the the obvious answer, I'll take it. I'll let you work a little bit harder on this one. For me, it's Anthony Davis. Uh, I, I mean, the, the poster, the, I shouldn't say the poster, the highlight reel that he had at the end, the and one on the follow-up of a LeBron oh. jumper was just nasty. And again, it's not the 30 and 16 that we've seen the last four games, but it's 25 and 15, four assists, three blocks. But most importantly to me, 10 of 13 from the field. He was efficient. We were talking before the game, how is he going to fit in next to LeBron? LeBron coming back, AD had been dominating in his absence. I thought he was a little too passive at times. I thought he could have been even more aggressive. But at the end of the day, 25 and 15 in a win like this, he got buckets when the Lakers needed them. So to me, the superstar of the night's an easy one. I'll give it to Anthony Davis. Yeah, you know what? I can't disagree with that. I mean, in the early going, there were some moments where we were a little bit concerned about AD. We thought, uh-oh, LeBron coming back. There were question marks about whether or not that was going to work out. Would it? Would the team become a LeBron-centric offense again? Would the ball stop moving? To a degree, we saw that too. Uh, but ultimately, by the time the final buzzer sounded, AD was a monster once again. And so I think he's definitely worthy of the Superstar of the Night award. He has been absolutely fantastic. And, and you mentioned that. Like what he's been doing on the offensive glass has been absolutely incredible. It's like the light bulb has has flipped on for him, where suddenly he's understanding like how dominant he can be chasing down offensive rebounds and just attacking there. How many easy putbacks he's going to get? Look, if teams are going to be doubling him in the post and not allowing that entry pass, then he's got to do other things in order to get his production up there. And the offensive glass is giving him that opportunity. And it's been great there. And again, that play that you were talking about, uh, where he got the end one was absolutely incredible. Uh, we've got a question here from Austin says, do we think JTA can actually give the Lakers quality minutes and shooting at some point? Also, why no Thomas Bryant tonight? Uh, let's start with JTA. I'm not sold that he can. I, I think they could use another wing player, but I don't. I haven't seen anything out of JTA to say he can be, be that consistently, but I'm also not ready to write him off yet either. Yeah, I think uh, unless somebody gets injured, I'm not sure that JTA is going to be getting quality minutes. I think you look at the way Troy Brown performed tonight, you know, and a guy that probably isn't going to get talked about, but 29 minutes, he goes four or five from the field, two for two for deep, ends up with 10 points and four boards. Uh, obviously, Lonnie Walker and other guys, those feels like the type of guys who are in competition, if you will, with JTA. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I just think as long as those two guys are performing, um, then it comes down to some of those bench guys. Like, is he going to get minutes over Austin Reeves? No. Kendrick Nunn, maybe. I mean, Kendrick Nunn's probably the guy that some folks would like to see him get minutes over. But on the JTA thing, I wasn't surprised to see him. I mean, I was going to say not play. He came in for the last minute of the game. But um, for me, uh, I think he's he's going to end up being a break glass in case of emergency kind of guy for the Lakers. Now, as far as why no Thomas Bryant, I'm curious to find out what Darvin Ham has to say after the game. It didn't make sense for me, Jeff. You and I were talking on playback during the game for our live stream. It seemed like the game was screaming for Thomas Bryant to be out there. They were getting bullied on the glass. Again, you give up 19 offensive rebounds. You've got another big body. That was one of the benefits that I saw of LeBron coming back was, okay, now you've got some actual size to turn to when you need to. You've got LeBron, Wendy Gabriel, AD, and Thomas Bryant. That's actually 
a respectable big rotation, you know, yeah. and the Lakers haven't had that all season. So it was, uh, was surprising that he didn't get in there for sure. And, uh, and frustrating as well, frankly. Yeah, I mean, you and I talked, that lineup they had out there for the last two and a half minutes of the third quarter was just absolutely brutal. Um, Gabriel was the big man, and then you had a bunch of guards, Westbrook, Reeves, Nunn, and I believe Lonnie Walker maybe was the, or Schroeder, one of those guys was out there as well. And so it, it was rough, uh, and it just wasn't working. We were saying, look, you can have issues and questions about where Thomas Bryant fits in. Do you want a second big out there next to Gabriel? But that just plain and simple wasn't working. I thought Gabriel, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a high on Gabriel guy, and so to be fair, uh, I'm a little biased towards him. I thought he played pretty well tonight, six rebounds for him. I don't think he was the problem, but when you look at some of those other guys, the way that Russ and Reeves and Nunn and, and some of those other role players were playing tonight, it felt like a perfect opportunity to get Thomas Bryant in there, not to mention AD plays 35 minutes back-to-back against San Antonio tomorrow. Um, I, I'm with you. I was surprised that, that Thomas Bryant didn't get some minutes um, I mean, he wasn't even, he wasn't even like Juan Toscano Anderson and Max Christie came in to close the game. He wasn't even in mop-up duty. So just interesting for a guy who's played well over the last few games when he's gotten in there. Uh, Esham says, don't need no stinking trade. This is a championship squad. See how we smack the Smurfs. I'm assuming that there's a healthy dose of sarcasm in there. Um, yeah. If, if the Lakers front office looks at games like these and they say, oh, see, you don't need a trade. Well, I think that's, that's missing the point. I think what you're hoping to see right now is this team show that they're good enough to where if they get a little extra help via, via trade, then they can really make some noise. I don't know if that's what they've done in this in this game, but that's that's what you're hoping for. This this is by no in no way a suggestion that the team is great as is because they're not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about when it comes to trades, it's more of a question of you, we talk. I think you were referencing was it Jake Fisher who had a report saying, hey, the next four games for the yep. Lakers is sort of make or break time about whether or not they're going to go out and make a trade. They get the win tonight. But it, it, the question to me is not, is this team 100% ready to go contribute to being c- compete for a championship? It's are they 80% there? Like, can you put them over the top? I don't think you can make the case that the team as constructed is going to win a championship. It's are they close enough if they make one or two more moves to go compete for a championship? And so, um, yeah, the idea they don't need a trade, and I'm not necessarily saying they need to go make a trade, um, I, I, because do you want to give up future assets? Is this right. team close enough to even add a couple assets to go make a, a championship run? I think is a fair question. And so, um, I, I just definitely don't think this team as constructed is, is good enough to, to be getting where Lakers fans want them to get to. No, you just have to decide, are you close enough to where a trade can get you where you want to go? And, right. and that's, that's what they have to figure out. And that's reportedly what they're going to try to figure out for the rest of the month of November, which is only three more games. Uh, Joe Nolova got scary in the third, but good win overall. I liked what I saw from Dennis and Lonnie. LeBron with nine turnovers is not it, but a win is a win. How much of the turnovers do you think was just rust from LeBron? And how much of that is just LeBron poor decision-making? Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, going to credit most of it to rust. Um, I, I think when you're out for five games, which you know adds up to whatever, a week and a half or two weeks, whatever it ended up being, I think it's just the speed of the game is is what ends up smacking you in the face when you come back first. And obviously LeBron's been doing this forever. But I just, it felt like that. It felt like there were a couple times where he got into the lane and got caught up in the air and didn't really know what to do or just just didn't anticipate a defender closing down spaces quickly. And so I credit it all to Rust. Um, again, for him to be able to get this out of the way and the Lakers still to win by 11, I think is a dream scenario. But um, I, I'm not too worried about LeBron's turnovers moving forward. Yeah, most teams will not be this forgiving like the like the Spurs. 
uh, ace of hearts team is ridic ridiculously redundant. In what world does Schroeder start over Reeves? LeBron can't do what he does. Everyone tries to play his role. I was I was surprised that that was the, what the Lakers did with the starting lineup. They ultimately wouldn't. All they needed to do was make one move. You had Patrick Beverly, who's out due to suspension. LeBron James is coming back. Could have just been a simple, okay, Beverly out, LeBron in. LeBron has played point guard before. Reeves can handle the ball as well. You didn't need to put a, a true point guard on the floor, and yet we saw a secondary move where you've got now Austin Reeves losing yeah. his starting spot so that Dennis Schroeder can come in and start. Uh, to me, it felt unnecessary. And so I'm not sure exactly where that came from. Maybe a, a Schroeder and Russ pairing off the bench was something they were looking to move away from. But regardless, what did you think of that starting lineup? And what did you think of Dennis Schroeder specifically? Should they stick with this tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at the box score, you know, both, both guys basically had equivalent nights. Schroeder was three for seven, nine points, three boards, five assists. Reeves was three for eight, eight points, six boards, two assists. So I think they're, you know, it's not all about the box score. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. I think Reeves was out there kind of in the fourth quarter when they had their best lineup on the floor. Am I right in remembering that? Or was it Schroeder that, that came back in? Yeah, I think he was out there for the, the bulk of the, the really solid minutes. And that's not to say he had a fantastic game, Reeves did. But yeah. he was three for eight, seven boards, two assists, one steal, eight points, 29 minutes. Say, you know, similar stat line for Schroeder, but five assists. With nine points, but I thought defensively uh, they were considerably better when Reeves was on the floor compared to Schroeder. I mean, in case in point, look at the box score. Austin Reeves finishes the night as a plus fifteen, plus seven for Dennis Schroeder. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We back. Sorry, I lost my microphone there. There you moment. go. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I don't interpret this as Reeves is better than Schroeder. Like I said, I, I don't think the starting lineup is your five best guys. I think especially if you're the Lakers, the drop-off that you have when AD and LeBron leave the floor. In some ways, I think you could interpret this move as a positive for Reeves in the sense that they, they want him on that second unit because they recognize there's a greater need there. If you want to be optimistic about it, I think that's one way to look at it. Um, and I think the Lakers should be looking at it that way. You don't need as much offensive shot creation when LeBron and Anthony Davis are on the floor. You need a lot more of it when it's Russell Westbrook and Wenyon Gabriel and and a few other guys. And so um, 
That said, I also said on the playback, I think Dennis Schroeder is the guy that if this team is going to quote-unquote level up with the currently constructed roster, I think Schroeder's the guy who could become a difference maker. I think if him and Lonnie Walker can go put in... Lonnie Walker tonight gives you 18 points. I'm not expecting 18 from Lonnie Walker every single night, but if if Schroeder and Lonnie Walker can both be guys that are averaging in the 14 to 16 point range, I think that gives you a couple guys that... that spreads things out and takes the load off a little bit. So I'm not, I'm high on both Schroeder and Reeves, I guess is, is where I land on this one. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, Mom mentality says, woo, a road win. Finally. Yeah. This is the Lakers first road win. I'm uh, not going to lie. I was a bit nervous when the Spurs brought it down to three. I was as well. I'm right, <laughs> right there with you. Uh, Lakers looked like zombies and I was upset when with him didn't refresh the team. Still a good Friday. We got the win. Also, I will campaign to get Vassell. Yeah, Devin Vassell looked pretty good for the San Antonio Spurs. Would be a nice addition at some point to the Lakers. I think they'd like to keep him, though. Yeah. Um, I I was not thrilled with – this is probably the first game where I was overly frustrated with Ham's coaching decisions, and I know a lot of Lakers fans felt that way, and a lot of it had to do with the rotations we were seeing out there and then not responding when the Spurs started to go on runs. It felt like they were playing with fire a little bit. And again, if it wasn't the Spurs – this game very easily could have switched to a loss. Yeah. Yeah, I was never worried about this them losing the game because of just the, the gap in talent and feeling like LeBron and AD could flip a switch at some point. But it's just not a good look for a team as desperate as the Lakers are to get back to winning ways. You come into a game like this with five wins against one of the worst teams in the league, you have a 20-point lead and you can't even step on the throats. It's, it's not a great look for a team that you know, is looking for reasons for optimism. They're looking for momentum and you don't find it. It's an 11 point win. Like if we all entered tonight and said, Hey, the Lakers are going to win by 11. The spread was four and a half, five. We'd all be happy. But the way that it played out was probably the most, the most unsatisfying 11 point win that it possibly could have been. Very true. Very true. Uh, Reginald Thomas, very noticeable chemistry and energy change. It felt like there were ebbs and flows in energy throughout the game. Yeah. And, Maybe that's just too much turkey. I don't. I don't know. But uh, Love says Miles Turner and Heald going crazy against Brooklyn. What the hell? Make the damn trade. Do you, what do you think? Do you do the trade now? If it's Russ, knowing that Russ has been better for yeah. the Lakers. By the way, I didn't think tonight was a great Russell Westbrook game. Obviously, only mm-hmm. three points for him. That's low. Only played nineteen minutes, which again is is pretty low. But. Um, do you, do you, do you do that? Russell Westbrook, two first round picks, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Are you pulling the trigger on that right now? It's so tough. I mean, you and I sat here in the off season in Vegas and we were talking about it and I was, you know, everybody was on the Kyrie trade and I was on the Miles Turner and Buddy Heald trade from, from, from the get go. Right. I think the question now is I wasn't expecting the Lakers to be six and 11 at this point in the season. Now I think they're going to beat the Spurs tomorrow and that makes them seven and 11. Then you get Indiana and Portland. Like if you finish that stretch eight and 12, I, I don't think it's a question of do Miles Turner and Buddy Heald make you better because I think the answer is unequivocally yes. I think the question is, are you going to give up those picks? And maybe at this point, maybe you can get protection on one of them so it's not two unprotected right. futures. But do I think those guys make the team better? Yes. Do I think Anthony Davis playing at the level that he's currently playing at puts you back, makes you feel a lot better than you did a week and a half ago about this Lakers team, even at 6-11? and 11? Yes. And so... I, I admit I am so torn on whether or not I make the trade and I hate being the guy on here who doesn't have a strong opinion, but I guess I land on, I would be fine with it. I, I could get on board with, Hey, we have LeBron AD is playing like peak AD right now. Let's go all in. Let's try and make a run and see what happens. 
I'm not thinking at all about, oh, shoot, Russell Westbrook, does he have value? That piece to me hasn't changed. I think the only real question is, does that trade make this team a title contender? I'm not convinced the answer is yes, but I wouldn't hate it if they made the trade. Yeah, I'm looking at this thinking, you know what, Russ has been better for the Lakers this year than we would have expected. Again, tonight, notwithstanding, I thought, I'd be interested to see what the reason was for his his incredibly low minutes tonight. Again, just, just 19 minutes off the bench for the Lakers. Did have three fouls, but that's not that bad so be interested to find that out but in any event russ has been better for the lakers than we expected so there's a little bit of a diminishing return there where if you're if you're going to make a trade now that you've got russ as not a net negative or not a net neutral maybe at best instead you've got russ who's a, a positive for you and then you're trading for healed and turner well yeah they've been playing better but are you sure they're going to do that for your team or not i don't think russ playing better necessarily changes his value to the pacers yeah if i'm the lakers what i'm doing is i'm exploring what teams want Russ? What teams yeah. are seeing what Russ is doing for the Lakers and saying, you know what, maybe he could do that for us. And does that open up other trade possibilities? Meanwhile, I'm talking to Indiana still, but I'm talking about Kendrick Nunn, Patrick Beverly, put those two guys together and see if you can get one of Heald or Turner. Maybe you attach a first. Maybe there's a different Russ trade that you can do and you can cobble something together there. I don't know if I'm willing to pull the trigger because Indiana, I don't think, is going to add any value to Russell Westbrook beyond what they would have valued him at over the summer. They're not going to. I don't know that they're going to give you credit for him playing better right now because yeah. I don't know how much that matters to them. Another team might, and so that's why I think it's it's worth exploring that dynamic around the league while still engaging Indiana, but using a different set of expiring contracts to do so. Yeah, I'm still skeptical that Russell Westbrook is is going to be viewed as an asset by anybody. T- to your point, maybe it's maybe it's not. You have to attach a first just to dump Russell Westbrook anymore. Maybe right. it's somebody views it as a net. I, I don't know. I I still think I, I would be surprised if that team is out there. Now maybe you can, you know, can you can you salary dump Russ for a guy like like a Russ for Buddy Heald type trade? Like what's the compensation involved on the Lakers side on that where you're taking on extra money? In future years, that those types of deals, I think I, I would be curious to see if if the equation has changed at all. But I will say that two and a half minutes at the end of the third quarter made me think about picking up my phone and calling Indiana just because <laughs> you're looking at that and saying, how much better would that unit look if you had a Miles Turner? And, and honestly, if you had Miles Turner and Buddy Heald in that unit that's closing the third, all of a sudden you go from, you know, four guys that, that maybe aren't in rotations in any playoff team to a couple of guys that are bona fide NBA players, potential all-star type guys. It'd be, there's desperately a need. We're not arguing, do the Lakers need to make a move like that? The question is, is it worth it? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that, that group with Russ and the bench mob, it was, they struggled. They struggled. Yeah. That was, that was Russ's time to really take that team and run. And he wasn't able to do it. But again, he's, he, I think he's built up enough equity through good games so far this season that I'm willing just to write this one off and see what he can do tomorrow. Um, SD one said, we're the only fan base who waited on bated breath to trash LeBron. He was bad and rusty, but it's still embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of negativity about LeBron. I said, but it feels like that's been an undercurrent forever since LeBron came to LA because I think the Kobe LeBron thing never fully went away. And on top of that, I think anybody who was in the category of like the Russ stands that we saw, you know, coming out last year and over the summer and even this year, they're quick to jump all over LeBron as as well, both to, you know, defect deflect away from Russ and they're, you know, saying, Oh, well you were hard on on Russ last year. So now we got to take shots at LeBron here. 
So I think there's a lot of dynamics within Lakers fandom, which when you have a yeah. fan base that's, that's this vast, you're going to kind of get all of those different opinions and different ways of viewing things. But nonetheless, it is still a little surprising the amount of volume that we see behind the negativity about, about LeBron right now. It's more than I would have expected. Yeah, tonight was was sort of a microcosm of that because I think in the first half, we were talking about on the stream of how disjointed the offense looked, how rusty uh, LeBron mm-hmm. looked, all the turnovers. It felt like he wasn't attacking the rim. It felt like he wasn't engaged on defense. And I think it was the start of the second half where he just jumped straight into the game. And all of a sudden it's, and, and I could be, it might be it was the start of the second quarter. It's either the start of the second quarter or the start of the second half where he's going to the basket, a few play, a few straight possessions defensively where he's engaged. And so I think it was, you know, if you want to be critical of LeBron when he's sort of loafing on defense and, and sort of settling for, you know, 35 footers on offense in a, in a game, that's fine. But then when he does turn it on and when he does attack the paint and when he does engage on defense, you have to give the guy his flowers there too. Because again, at the end of the day, this was a fascinating LeBron game because 21, 8, and 5, 8 of 17 from the floor, that's not a bad line. Nine turnovers, though, is atrocious. And so yeah. to say that it was all bad or all good, you're kind of telling on yourself if you're in either one of those camps. <laughs> I think it was a complicated LeBron James game. In some ways, it was good. In some ways, it was terrible. And the team won by 11. So ultimately, who cares? Maybe maybe that's what to ex- what we should expect after he's yeah. been out the way he has been. Uh, Senpai says, Russ, none, two first to Indy and two seconds to Charlotte for Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, and Rogier. Terry Rogier. Those three fit AD's future timeline, and Rogier, Buddy, Braun, AD, Turner uh, at the five is a chip caliber team. Look, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, if you can pack all those in, which I think actually you can, you can make that work salary wise. Um, I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to it. That's a lot of future salary you're taking on with, if you're the Lakers. So you've got to be convinced this team is winning a championship because you're taking on, what, three years plus of maybe four years of Terry Rozier. You're going to have to extend Turner. You've got another year on the books for Buddy. So you've got to be convinced this team is it. This will get it done. This gets us a championship. I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying that's the prerequisite in order to, to pull the trigger on that particular deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what he's saying. Hey, they fit the timeline for Anthony Davis, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I've again going back to conversations we've had in the past. I'm kind of the low guy on Terry Rozier. Um, he's been good prior to this year. This year, he's shooting 31 percent, a little less than 31 percent from three point range, and so that's kind of the asset that you need. Like, you need a guy that's shooting 37, 39, 41, like he has the past three years. Right. So I think you feel good about betting on that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying. It's not a knock on Turner and Heald and Rozier. It's just a question of that last sentence. Is that a championship-caliber team, uh, given how stacked the West is, given where the Lakers are at this point in the season, um, the lead that they've spotted some of the teams that they're going to have to chase down? Uh, it's an interesting question. And again, I just ultimately land on I'm kind of fine either way. Uh, in the short term, the Lakers would be way more fun to watch if they made that trade. And if I don't have to see Russell Westbrook play again, I won't hate that. Uh, But you're also going to have to live with the consequences of that trade for the next, you know, what, seven, eight years. And so if it doesn't work out, then what? Right, exactly. Uh, Masterlock Darvinham's rotations. He's giving Vogel vibes. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far just yet, but let's – Let's use that as a as a jumping off point, though, to get into one of our next awards. Not the Master Lock just yet. 
but let's go with this one. Star in your role. Okay, so which of the Lakers' role players had the best game tonight? Jeff, didn't give you much time to think about it, but who do you have? I mean, I think there's probably one more obvious answer, but I, I'll show my biases here a little bit. We joked about it right at the beginning. I'm going to go with my guy who got announced as Tony Brown by the Spurs PA announcer, but I'll go Troy Brown. I just like he got them off to a good start. He finishes with 10 points, four rebounds, uh, no turnovers, two for two from three, four of five from the field. Uh, ultimately, I just thought it was a solid game. I thought that that 20-point lead, he was instrumental in, in helping them build that. He didn't really play much in the second half, um, but I'll go Troy Brown. I think there's probably a little bit more obvious answer out there than Troy Brown, but uh, I'll give him some love here. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go with uh, I'll go with Lonnie Walker. 18 points, two assists, three steals. Thought he made some timely buckets for the Lakers. 7-16 isn't great overall in terms of efficiency, but uh, four for nine from three. You'll certainly take that from him. And it's the revenge game narrative. So I'll go with Lonnie. I will say that, uh, you know, Troy Brown certainly has has merit here. You could say when Gabriel made some plays, but and Austin Reeves had his moments. But overall, this wasn't a game where you had a lot of guys really standing out. Um, yeah. It was a bit more muted game from a lot of the other guys. Uh, Wenyan, Gabriel, and Thomas Bryant would have been great in the second unit. Yeah, I agree. Your, is that I, your I, burner, really, Trevor? What's that? Is that your burner account? It right is. There? That must be my burner account. It's here's the thing, right? Like I really like the second unit that it, that involves Russ, Wenyan, and Thomas Bryant because you've got uh, you've got the energy level just compounding. You've got three guys who, what they're great at, is just bringing energy to the floor. Yeah. Put all three of them out there together, and I mean they have moments where they can just be whirling dervishes, where they're out there just creating plays, wreaking havoc, doing everything, and we didn't get to see that. And I think that's that's a weapon that you can turn to. And to only use Wenyan Gabriel is is a, doing them a disservice. You saw how many times Wenyan was just outmatched trying to rebound. I honestly felt bad for him because yeah. he's trying to do everything with zero help on the glass. And meanwhile, again, Thomas Bryant is sitting right there doing jumping jacks on the sideline saying, put me in, coach. Yeah. That was frustrating. Do you think both those guys can coexist defensively? I mean, I think that would be sort of the first question that comes to mind for me. I, I, I think my answer is Eileen, yes, because Gabriel feels like the type that can probably chase around a small forward if he needs to. Then the question is it pulls him away from the basket and maybe limits sort of the, the, the rebounding potential that he has. But Trevor, do you feel okay with Gabriel and Bryant out there together defensively? Yeah, and I think that's where Gabriel's versatility to defend, to defend can really shine. Because I think he's got the ability to do that, to at least contest on the perimeter. And then that gives you a little bit of, of size on the boards. Uh, J.J. Ramirez said, with Pat Bev being out, Ham had the opportunity to go big a couple of stretches. Rotations are starting to worry me. Yeah, we, we kind of just addressed that. Um, I thought this was a great opportunity for them to really go big now that they've got their size back. And we didn't see it. Again, the Spurs aren't a huge team. But still, when you're getting crushed on the glass, you need another big there. Uh, William Scott agreed saying uh, Ham's coaching is suspect as of now. Darius G saying third quarter again, Trevor, we have to get better. Is there some way to just skip the third quarter or tell the players there is no third quarter? Yeah. Tell them there's really just two fourth, fourth quarters or something like, is there a mental trick or something like that? Because these third quarters, it, it's becoming like clockwork. It's so consistent. They just continue to struggle in the third quarter games. Yeah, I mean, and, and just going to the rotation that we're talking about, like, is is Juan Toscano-Anderson a guy that we've talked about earlier? I mean, he's a guy that at least gives you a little bit more length than than some... It, it, we talked about it being four guards and Wenyan Gabriel. I mean, 
Troy Brown could have been a guy that's on that unit. He's six foot yeah. six. Juan Toscano Anderson six foot six. Like it feels like if you're gonna go with Wenyan at the five, maybe putting a couple of your the only two six six guys that you have out there, maybe that feels like it would make more sense than surrounding him with Kendrick Nunn and folks like that. Oh my goodness, Kendrick Kendrick Nunn was again. That's the change I'm making if I'm Darvin Ham is. I'm not giving those minutes to Kendrick Nunn. I'm giving them to Thomas Bryant. I'm going bigger. I don't. I didn't look. Kendrick Nunn was a minus six yeah, in the game. The lowest for the Lakers. He, I, he hit some shots early, but it, it's just not clicked for him totally to be a positive on the floor. Uh, Grove says Braun was terrible on the ball, great off the ball. He did make some decent reads off ball defensively. Sean Tate Westbrook turning the ball over again in the third. I mean, three turnovers Russ, is not bad for Russ. No, what he well he had three, but three turnovers in just nineteen minutes. minutes. Yeah, that yeah it wasn't great, but again it's it's hard to get in a game where LeBron had nine turnovers. That's yeah, that's tough. Uh, Dante says, please let's stop with the we don't need LeBron chance. LeBron took over in the fourth on offense and defense. Lakers get their first road win of the year. Yeah, I, I think you need to give them some leeway, right? You have to give them a little bit of room to be rusty when he's been out for the amount of time that he's been out, right? Yeah. I, look, we're complaining about the third quarter. I mean, that, that that's what the Lakers without LeBron look like to some degree. So you can't chant, we don't need LeBron, and then complain about the rotations and say, what do you, you want more Kendrick Nunn minutes? Like you want Juan Toscano Anderson taking those minutes? And so, look, right. you can you can be disappointed in LeBron and also recognize that this team is going absolutely nowhere without LeBron. <laughs> this one says, this is ironic, says, can we take some time to give Trevor his roses? We can always count on Lakers Nation, even around the holidays. I appreciate you on behalf of Lakers Nation. Hey, yeah, my, my family was kind enough to allow us to do uh, to allow me to do a video yesterday while I was at Thanksgiving dinner because the Patrick Beverly news broke on the suspension and everything. Um, but I said ironic because I'm going to miss tomorrow's game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't mean Jeff will be here, Sean will be here, the show will still go on. But I am going to miss tomorrow's game. But yes, normally I, I can try to get some stuff done from from the road. But I appreciate you mentioning the uh, the dedication. Yeah, Trevor Trevor does deserve his roses on that front. As somebody that that covers baseball for our Dodgers site, dodgerblue.com, uh, I'm amazed that Trevor does a post-game show every single time. We do post-game shows once or twice a week on the Dodgers side. So shout-out to Trevor, who's who's coming to you live from South Carolina right That's now. Right. So shout-out to Trevor. That's right. Visiting family in South Carolina right now. I'm just holed up in a, in a guest room at, at the moment. Um, so yeah, and shout out to to my wife who's being a good sport and staying just off camera right now, <laughs> just hanging out, waiting for uh, for this to finish. Um, Cesar said, assuming Thomas Bryant continues to play well, will you prefer a Beverly Nunn and a first for Boyan or Kuzma? So Beverly Nunn. So if you can't get Miles Turner, going after Boyan Bogdanovich or Kyle Kuzma, can you imagine Kyle Kuzma's return? Hey, I could. I got my. I almost put on my NBA Jam Lonzo and Kuzma shirt today, and realized <laughs> I needed to leave that in the drawer. So we could dust that bad boy off and get it back to some relevance. I'm all in on Kuzma coming back. He is a free agent this summer, and so uh, you know, I wouldn't surprise me if the Lakers uh, give him a call. I wouldn't be opposed to those. Um, Boyan at least has another year on his deal, so that helps Kuzma. You might be able to get him without having to give up a first. I guess that's that's. I think that's really where I'm at. I would draw the line at the first. I don't think I would part with the first to get either of them because of Kuzma's free agent status and because of Boyan's age. If you can tell me I can get either one of them for a couple of seconds, I would do that. Yeah, I would. Do I, that. I prefer Kuzma. Um, 
I, I like what he gives you sort of a, a, in all facets of the game. I mean, he's currently averaging 20 points and eight rebounds. I know the three-point shooting isn't where you like it to be necessarily this season, just 30%. But um, if I had to choose between those two, uh, I, I would probably take Kuzma. Um, trying to look at, yeah, I mean, 34%, 36% the last couple of years. So if, if he can, if you can, if you can bank on him shooting 34 to 36% from three and giving you the effort, I mean, that, that we keep bringing, coming back to the third quarter. I mean, if you stick Kyle Kuzma in that, he's not only helping you on the glass, he's helping you defensively and he's giving you an offensive outlet as well. Uh, Joey C said miles Turner and AD two top five to six centers, uh, defensively, definitely. Definitely top, and you could argue just top five, top six. Period. Heald is a top five shooter. LeBron is a top seven to eight player. If you don't think that's a contending team, you're drunk. Top um, five shooter, buddy Heald. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He is in terms of three-point makes. In terms of three-point makes, he's up there over the last few years. He's he's right up there with Steph. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's instantly a contending core, but the thing that's always fascinating me is what if you had two of Anthony Davis, right? And put those two – like, wouldn't that be ideal to have two players who can do what he does and put them together? Now, obviously, there aren't two of Anthony Davis. That's why he gets called a unicorn. But if you look at Miles Turner and you squint, that's kind of what he does on the defensive end of the floor. He's uh, again, he's not as good at it as Anthony Davis, but he's he's not a stiff. He's not a lumbering big that can't move his feet. He actually moves his feet fairly well on the perimeter. It's one of the things he can do. And then he's an excellent shot blocking presence at the rim. So in a way, you're you're kind of taking the effect of Anthony Davis and you're multiplying it by putting another extremely long, lanky player that's got size, that's nimble, that can move. Yes, there's injury risk, but the, look, there's a lot of defense that comes down to chemistry, and so I don't want to just say instantly that's going to be a great defense, but the potential is there for that to be a great top-tier defense with those two guys together, and that intrigues me enough to where I, I wanted to see the deal done. I wanted to see yeah. it done when the rumors were that it was going to happen right before media day. I was ecstatic. I thought it was a great move for the Lakers, so I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's not going to be a contending team, but I don't know for sure that it's a quite enough firepower, but AD and Miles Turner together could be great. Yeah, I, I mean, to, to piggyback off what you're saying, you're not saying Miles Turner is as good as Anthony Davis, just to Correct. be clear. But I, I think he's as as um, as close a comp as you're going to find in the league as far as if you're trying to find somebody that does the things he does. Now, he might do all of them at a 75 to 80% level of what AD is doing. Defensively, yes. Totally. But but as far as putting somebody out there that allows everybody else to sort of understand, I mean, that's the hard part, right? Like if you have Anthony Davis in one rotation and then you've got Zubak or somebody like that in the second rotation who's uh, Jakob Pertl, who we saw tonight, like somebody who's a very different big that can mess you up a little bit because if you're Russell Westbrook or if you're Troy Brown and you're trying to figure out what does my role look like next to each of these two players, it's different. So what Turner gives you is the advantage of if one of those guys on the floor at all times, everybody knows what their role is. They know how to handle it. 
I also think it gives you the ability to be unique because no other team in the league is going to have two guys that big and that skilled out there at the same time. And yeah. I think Anthony Davis, at the the sort of the weight that he's currently playing at, he could probably chase around some smaller guys and give you some versatility, whereas Miles Turner is maybe your more traditional big sort of hogging up the paint and, and defensively and, and being a rim protector there. So um, I'm with you. I think it is a contending core for sure, but you're also putting a lot of your eggs into one basket of all of those mm-hmm. guys staying healthy and mortgaging the future to get there. So I, I think that's a really, really, really good team. I'm not arguing and I'm probably lower on healed than I should be as far as a top five shooter. When you talk about his makes and you look at the percentages, but um, I, I also don't think that group of five is like automatically guaranteeing you anything either. Like, I think that maybe that guarantees you a playoff appearance, which if you're a Laker fan right now, you would love because it's six and 11, you're not guaranteed anything. Um, but I, I just think it's a complicated question still about whether or not you make that trade. Yeah, you could have, I mean, at best, if everybody stays healthy, you could go 48 minutes with a top five, at least one top five shot blocker on the floor at all times. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Always winning said Lakers won't pay Lonnie. So why not Lonnie or Lonnie and Russ and one pick for Heald and Turner instead of two picks? You only have to give up one. I I don't know if Indiana attaches that much value to Lonnie knowing that he's going to be a free agent. They have the same problem, right? If he's this good all season long, he's going to cash in in free agency. He's probably getting mid-level exception money if not more um i can't say for sure the lakers won't pay him maybe they just give him their mid-level exception and keep him maybe that's what they do or maybe they don't make a trade and then they have cap space and they could do even a bigger deal for him if he's if he's that good all season long um so i don't think it's a it's a definite that they don't pay him and even if they make a trade you could still keep him by using your mid-level exception money and then lastly is if you trade him away now, and I'm not saying you don't trade him because we all just watched Malik Monk walk away when the Lakers, you know, we probably should have just traded him at the trade deadline, get whatever you can because he was going to sign with somebody else in the summer anyway because you couldn't pay him. So I'm not saying you absolutely don't trade Lonnie, but the other thing that you lose is if you trade him now, you, and by the way, you can't, you can't trade him until December 15th, but you trade him by the trade deadline, you lose the possibility of a sign and trade, yeah. which Maybe doesn't happen anyway, but it's just something else to note that you're, you're not automatically getting zero value if you aren't going to sign your own player or if you don't want to pay to keep them because you could always execute a sign and trade that, that may make things work out for you. Yeah, I would just echo what you're saying in that Indiana does not want players back. <laughs> like the, if, if Indiana yeah. trades, they are trying to tank. And so Lonnie Walker is not going to be viewed as an asset. They're not looking at assets unless it's, you know, a Max Christie type maybe. Uh, but they're not looking for a guy on an expiring deal. Uh, super dope hip hop said Palenka should have traded unprotected 27-29 first and Russ for Turner and Heald in August, our owners. Uh, won't do it now, and it ruined our Wembyama odds. So he's talking about the the from the Pacers side of things. This is a Pacers season ticket holder who also follows LeBron and the mm-hmm. Lakers. Uh, Lakers eleven and six. Uh, now, had they made the Pacers trade, uh, frustrated Pacers and Braun fan. So he's saying the the Pacers ownership won't do it now because the Pacers have been winning too much. Yeah. Um, and indeed they did beat the Brooklyn. That's, that's the thing. A lot of people are looking ahead on the schedule and going, Oh, the Pacers, that's a, that's a win. The Pacers are the number four seed in the East right now. And they are 11 and seven on yeah. the season. Like this is not, they're not playing like a bad team. They're kind of Utah East in that way. Um, so this is, yeah, I guess that's the other piece to this is the Pacers are sitting in the four seed. How tempted is Indiana ownership to just say, 
let's go for it. And we're not going to trade these guys now. Yeah. No, I mean, this is why the Lakers held out. We said all summer is because Indiana was just as desperate to make this trade as the Lakers, it seemed like. And so the Lakers didn't feel like they needed to overpay because at some point Indiana was going to come to their senses and realize that the worst thing they could do is be 11 and seven at the end of November. And yet the, the, the Pacers didn't blink, the Lakers didn't blink. And now the Indiana's 11 and seven. And as you said, you're, you're already out the went by stakes because there's plenty of teams that are way ahead of you in the tanking. So um, I, I feel for you, if you're a Pacers fan, I mean, you might as well just buckle up and enjoy a playoff appearance right now because you're sort of stuck in no man's land. Yeah, they kind of they, they may have won too many games already. Mamba mentality. Agree with Jeff. Ad Wenyan, Thomas Bryant could coexist. Agree with that. Uh, let's get into our favorite award of the night, where we get to complain a little bit. Master lock of the night. All right. So, what from this game, or who from this game, is getting put into our good friend Chris, the masterpiece master's finishing hold? The master lock. Jeff, what are you master locking? The, can I can I master lock the, everybody that was on the floor for the final two and a half minutes of the third quarter? Just the <laughs> absolutely abysmal performance, except for Wenyan Gabriel. Gabriel's my guy. He was hustling. But the bench unit just wasn't very good for the Lakers tonight, uh, specifically that group. I mean, Westbrook's one for seven, Reeves three for eight, Nunn three for nine. So um, it just needed more from the second unit for the, the, that the Lakers got tonight. Yeah, um, that's, you know, Jeff, you, you haven't been on the show in the in a bit, and you come in firing with, with putting out five master, you're master locking an entire rotation. For, except for Gabriel, except for uh, Gabriel. Okay, so so four of them. You're and Lonnie Walker there, but... actually probably doesn't either. So we'll just do three, Westbrook, Reeves, and none. We'll, we'll oh. master lock those three guys. How about those that? Those three guys. <laughs> we'll we'll put, the, put the master lock on those three. All right. Um, I, I am going to go with, this. this pains me because I don't want to do this. Overall, I liked that. I thought he was a great hire, and I've yet to be overly critical of Darvin Ham. But Darvin Ham, you're getting the master lock. What are you doing not putting Thomas Bryant into the game when you're getting crushed on the glass? He's sitting right there. Yeah. Put him in. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Darvin, I, I hope get the it. master lock knocks some sense into you. Yeah. I mean, LeBron's a candidate too, right? Nine turnovers. Yeah. I mean, how, how many times can you have nine turnovers in a game and, and not be in the top five for master lock? Oh, absolutely. But I'm afraid of hurting him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. The, that's the, <laughs> he's missed enough games uh heather says you guys should do a play of the game on your after show i love austin reeves behind the back pass to lebron so i can't do one live on the show but that is actually in the works um anyway i'm not, I'm not gonna say too much about it but yeah that that is something that's that's in the works just be on the lookout for that trevor do you want to try and recreate anthony davis's and one maybe we could just you could just next time Sean is on here, just have Sean. He's got to act it out in whatever room he's recording in. It's just like, <laughs> hey, Sean, remember that? And one Davis crashing the glass. Just do that real quick for it. Like it, it's charades, but we're going to make. Exactly. Him, him, you know, but only Sean. Oh, oh, Sean's the only guy that ever has to do it. I, I like that idea. Since he's not here, I like that idea. Um, Kay Kennett said, as the price went up with the way the Pacers are playing for Turner and Heald, and has Turner's rumored to be switching to CAA, is that a problem for the Lakers? Uh, it's hard to say whether or not the price has gone up. I would imagine probably, yes, the Pacers would ask for more. Just like if you're the Lakers, you would want a better deal for Westbrook now that Westbrook's been playing better. Uh, the CAA thing, it depends on what the goal is, right? Is if, if the goal is Miles Turner wants $28 million per year, and by switching to CAA, he thinks that's what he's going to get, 
yes, that's a problem because whoever trades for him has to be willing to give him his next contract. And so that's that can be a hurdle. If yeah. you're finding out that he only wants he's good on his current deal, and if you give him a four year deal for 18 million per year, he'll sign it. Okay, then you're willing to give up more to get him. But if he wants 28, 30 million or something, yeah, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it based on what he's playing right now, but if he wants that, then you've got to factor that in to how much you're willing to pay in a trade. Yeah, the has the price gone up? I think is just really interesting because you could argue either way. You could argue the price is going up because the longer you get into the season, then either A, the Pacers are going to be less motivated to move these guys, or B, maybe there are other teams that get into the Miles Turner Buddy Heald sweepstakes mm -hmm. because they're contending and weren't expecting to or because of an injury. You could also argue that the price is going to go down because it's less games. And, you know, now we've already played 17, 18 games that we don't get with Miles Turner. And so I think everybody knew that this was a gamble that was going to, that everybody was taking. The Pacers were gambling about how good they would be, that these guys would stay healthy, and that somebody else would get into the sweepstakes. And the Lakers were gambling that nobody else would get into the sweepstakes and that they wouldn't be as desperate as maybe people think they are right now. And so it's tough for me to say whether or not the price has gone up for either of those guys. Uh, as far as the agency thing, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think it matters just because that's only going to affect his free agency, which isn't necessarily part of trade negotiations. And now here we are in the Pacers, Pacers are our four seed. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Ed Edwards said, Ross, a first, a second for PJ Hayward and Ubre. Well, I don't know if you saw the news, but Gordon Hayward broke his shoulder and he's going to be missing for some time, some time. So I think that, you know, sets any kind of a deal to the side in terms of including him right now. It gives you three and D guys. Lakers are contenders with there being no team in the West dominating. Again, that's, I guess that's the other piece to this is that there's nobody in the West right now that is saying, this is it. This is our conference. We're taking over. So maybe there's more opportunity, even though things are very tightly compact right now. Maybe there's opportunity for that upward movement uh, and it gives you more incentive to do a deal. But this deal in, in particular, I think it's, it's DOA because Hayward is hurt. It's interesting, just the angle of, we always talk about the Lakers going out and getting shooting, getting offense, getting scoring. The idea of, should the Lakers just go the other way and say, hey, we're just going to target some guys that will lock down defensively and improve the defensive side of the ball without necessarily worrying about the offensive side. I, I think this team needs offense and it needs shooting more than anything else, but I, I think it's at least an interesting thing to consider. All right. Well, the Lakers do ultimately get the win in this one, whether we do a, a trade or, or not, whether they use this as a springboard into a trade, we'll see. Uh, rumor is that they are going to take these the rest of the month of November, which is three more games, and then kind of figure things out from there. But tomorrow night, back to back, going to go, go play San Antonio again. I think it's the same mindset, Jeff. You have to yeah. go in with a must-win mindset because this is a very winnable game. Go in there, take care of business, stay healthy, and move on to the next one, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got to feel good after this one, feeling like you can go in and get another win. You've now beaten them twice in the span of a week, and you get them again. You don't have to fly anywhere, so it, it is still a road game, but there's not a day of travel in between, which is a nice thing. I think the storyline I'll be watching is not really a storyline so much as how many minutes does LeBron play, if at all? How many minutes does Anthony Davis play? Um, Anthony Davis, I expect to play. We talked a little bit during the watch-along. This is a guy who wants to play every game. He's only missed one so far, so I would not expect him to be on any sort of restriction obviously I think they hope they can get up by 25 or 30 and maybe give him a little bit of a breather but LeBron played 33 minutes that was higher than you and I were expecting him to play tonight I am really interested to see 
whether or not LeBron plays a full load tomorrow. Well, LeBron told Dave McMenamin after the game, there's a strong possibility I'll play tomorrow. I just sat out two weeks. I'm good. Okay. So hopefully that continues. Hopefully he feels good after he wakes up tomorrow and uh, and he's willing to to play. Yeah. Yeah, that'd he's be able huge. to play. I mean, the Spurs are the team that you want to knock off some of that rust uh, against if you're LeBron, you know, because um, they won by 11 despite the nine turnovers. So these are the games that if you can get some reps against the Spurs, once you get into the games against a team like Portland that's playing really well next week, you know, Indiana, who you said is playing really well, these are the games that you want to sort of knock the cobwebs off a little bit, get up to speed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if he can go again tomorrow, it'll be huge for the Lakers because they, they, they needed him tonight. Uh, last thing, Mike E said tonight's game was the opposite of a moral victory. It was because it, it you got the it felt like what so what is that? What is the opposite of a moral victory? What An actual victory, a depressing victory, a depressing victory, <laughs> a sad victory. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You withstood the victory somehow. A moral loss. A moral loss. All right. We'll we'll finish it with that. We'll leave leave everybody to ponder that. What is the opposite of a moral victory? Maybe for tomorrow's show, you guys can come in with some answers. But appreciate everybody for joining us, Jeff. Thank you so much for hopping on here, especially with us with us uh, shorthanded around the holidays. Yeah, happy to. Excited. We'll be back. Sean and I will be doing a, a live watch along and post game tomorrow. So hopefully, folks can join us for that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Check that out on playback, and then come right back here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel for the post game show, Lakers versus Spurs tomorrow. Thanks everybody for joining us till next time. See ya and stay safe.